Hi, this is Wade with Let the Bird Fly. I am here at home with Sophia. Sophia, why don't you go ahead and say hello? Hi. We're here to talk just a little bit before this episode, or Bird's Eye View, or Winging It, about the calendar year-end campaign that 1517 has going on right now. As you likely know, we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network, and we're very thankful for the opportunity to be a part of that and for the platform it's given us and the opportunities to grow and, and expand the conversation. Sophia, last we heard about how many downloads a month was the network getting? 100,000. Yeah, 100,000 downloads, and we're very excited about that and to be able to be a part of that. They also now have the 1517 Academy going, which is enrolling new students quite regularly. encourage you to check that out. Sophie, what's some of the other stuff that 1517 does? Um, they do blog posts and... They have blog posts, yep, and your dad writes blog posts for them. I've had a, a few, pretty much one a week lately. And uh, what else has Dad done with 1517? Um, he's done two books. Two books. Do you remember their names? Um, a Path Student with Sinners. Yeah, that's the last one, A Path Student with Sinners, and then An Uncompromising Gospel. Um, but this uh, end-of-the-year campaign that they have going really goes a long way towards helping to fund all the uh, resources that 1517 makes available, most of them free of charge. They are hoping to raise $250,000 by December 31st, and if they raise that amount, they will be able to reach uh, not only thousands, but hopefully millions of new people uh, with the free content that they make and with the message of the freedom that we have in the gospel through the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and so your financial support will help uh, 1517 continue its growth and will help podcasts like our own, as well as authors, writers like myself, who are publishing blog posts or books with them. If you're already giving to 1517 uh, on whatever basis, uh, annual gifts or monthly gifts, uh, they are, I'm sure, very thankful for that, as are we. Um, but just bringing this to your attention as we get towards the end of the year, uh, that you might consider it in this time of giving if you're thinking about um, where you might have uh, money well spent uh, for the the sake of getting good content out there for people, uh, something that you might want to consider. So with that being said, we should probably should make our way to our content, which is all about doing what, Sophie? Letting the bird fly. Letting the bird fly. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here recording at Mike's house and we are joined by the Burke children, um, by I think number one guest again, most appearances, Pastor much. Brian Dobler, who I think takes back the lead from Dr. Brown, and another regular guest who is currently now over on the couch he just got here. I would describe him as looking like he... Works down at the docks. He just had a, a long shift. He's about to go to the pizzeria, maybe, Mike, would you say? I'm picturing like a Boston f- 
New York type. All he had to do is take off his collar, and he looks like that. And by the way, if he loses his job as a pastor, that's probably where he's going to work. I don't think he has the back for it. I, I think that's hard, <laughs> hard manual labor. Um, but we are going to be talking today about Advent. Uh, we are currently in the last week of the church year. I think, Mike, right, that it goes by the Sunday, so we're we're now the Thursday of the last week of the church. Yeah, year? so the first Sunday of Advent is the closest Sunday to St. Andrew's Day, which is tomorrow. So we've got three days in this church year left, if I'm counting correctly. And so we're going to be talking about the Advent season. Um, when we get to that, to the main topic, it will just be the four of us, the four pastors talking but we are going to make our way to the free-for-all with the Berg girls because um, we've got two have been on before, but Abigail has never been on, and so we've got to get her on. We, uh, As we get started then, uh, before we make our way into the free-for-all, Sophia was going to read it and just ran away, so who's taking it now? Noelle. I am. Noelle, why don't you give us our disclaimer? Okay. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to the free-for-all. And I think before we actually get into our free-for-all topic, we should probably have the three... Berg girls briefly introduce themselves. Uh, maybe as we get started, if you could just tell us, uh, remind us your name and what grade you are in. And should we, Mike, what do you think? Should we go oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest? Let's go youngest. Youngest to oldest. Why don't we go with the youngest Berg girl then? Why don't you introduce your name and your grade? My name is Sophia and I'm in fourth grade. Very good. Where do you go to school? St. Philip's Milwaukee Lutheran. St. Saint Philip's <laughs> Milwaukee Lutheran. Very good. Uh, you know who St. Philip was in the Bible? Is, are the Saint, is it the eunuchs? Is that the mascot? St. Philip? <laughs> no? What, what, what's your mascot? Warriors. Warriors. Okay, I didn't know if you went the Acts of the Apostles way with that. Uh, we'll go now. We're working our way up age-wise. Second Berg girl. I'm Noelle. I'm in seventh grade. Very good. You nailed that. Where do you go to school? Um, St. Phillips Lutheran, Milwaukee. Do you Wait. see your uh, Do you see your sister Sophia there often? Sometimes. Do you wave at her, give her a hug? What do you do when you see her? Um, um, usually I'll do something, and she'll kind of give me a weird look. Do you guys ever just for fun dress alike to school? We have uniforms. <laughs> ah, so just like my kids and Pastor Dobler's kids yeah. at St. John's. Why don't you, uh, our St. John's uniforms are light, light blue, blue polos yeah. and yeah. dark blue uh, pants or skirts. What what color is the, the St. Philip's uniform, Sophia and Noel? We have red or gray polos with our St. Philip's logo on it, and we have wear blue pants. 
with belts. No, you can't wear skirts. You just got to wear pants. <clears throat> no, you can't wear skirts. We can wear shorts in the summer. Can you wear the blue or the gray, whichever day, or do you have to have blue days and gray days? <laughs> we can wear um, gray or red polos any day. Oh, gray or red. I was I got confused on the blue. That's Sophia, okay. which do you like better, the gray or the red? Gray. Gray? Is that because it brings out your eyes, your gray eyes? <laughs> I, I'm just joking. I don't know what color your eyes are. What about you, Noel? Gray or red? I don't really care. All right, and that will bring us to the oldest Berg. I'm going to scoot over. She's sharing my mic. Uh, I will let you go ahead. Um, hi, my name's Abigail. I'm in 10th grade at Wisco. All right, you're going to have to explain to listeners. Let's say we have a listener who's not in Milwaukee. What is Wisco? Um, it's Wisconsin Lutheran High School, and... I just call it Wisco. <laughs> and uh, so you're at Wisconsin Lutheran High School. Uh, I have two kids there. Maggie, who um, her only appearance on the podcast, she didn't say much. And then Nicholas, who has been on the podcast before, is a freshman. Uh, we, we have someone else here who might be familiar with Wisconsin Lutheran High School. Abigail, who else here do you maybe recognize from Wisconsin Lutheran High School? Pastor Dobler. And what's the what's the the vibe on the street? You're walking down the halls. What uh what's the vibe on uh Pastor Dobler? The students they're talking about Pastor Dobler. Um, is it you know he's the coolest teacher? He's the most handsome teacher. Uh, he has the funnest class. What kind of things are um compl- nothing mean? Don't say anything mean. Uh, what's the what's the the feel of the school on Pastor Dobler? Abigail doesn't want to say anything. All right. What, uh, how about this instead, since we have some listeners at Wisco? Who's your favorite teacher at Wisco right now? Oh, I like Mr. Seeger. He's pretty fun. Would you say he's the best theology teacher at Wisconsin Lutheran High School? I, I think so, yeah. That, that is probably. radical. <laughs> All right, so that will bring us to our free-for-all topic now. And what we're going to be talking is Christmas um, because the main topic is Advent and everybody gets worked up about if you can talk about or listen to Christmas music in Advent. Well, we are prepping ahead because when this comes out, hopefully next Tuesday, that's the prayer, um, it will be the time for people to to be thinking about Christmas presents. And so we're not going to be talking... Um, necessarily about Christmas music or can you have the tree up, but as you're preparing for Christmas presents, we're going to talk about either what you're hoping to get this year, if there's any special presents you're hoping to get, um, or your favorite Christmas present you have gotten in the past. And I think we can start with the kids. Um, Sophia, you look you look surprisingly nervous, right? You're, um, are you going to be? Do you want to go first, or do you want Abigail to go first? Because. You had a pretty interesting present when I when you were talking about this before. You want Abigail to go first? All right, Abigail, I'm going to move way away from the mic so you don't feel awkward getting too close to me to talk. And uh, either uh, favorite present you're hoping for this year or favorite present you've gotten in the past. Um, well, I don't really know much. I don't really want much this year. But uh, a present that I remember getting um, a couple years ago, I think, uh, Noel and I got a guitar from our uncle, and that was pretty cool, and we don't really know how to play it, but 
It's fun to have. I was really bad when we took lessons. <laughs> what what uncle is this? An uncle that I know who got you this guitar? Um, it's my mom's youngest brother, Uncle Jordan. Ah, uh, so I was thinking maybe this was my pastor. So this wasn't Uncle oh, Joe. No, he does give good presents. He does give good. Do you, what was your favorite Uncle Joe present? Uh, one year he got me this like activity thing where like you can write a story and then you can send it in to have it published. I never did write anything, but it was very, it was very, it was a very good gift. I really liked it. What did you get from him this time? Oh, this year he got me these like comedy and tragedy masks things that you can hang on your wall and I hung them on my wall and they're, they're really cool. Well, good. It sounds like Uncle Joe is spoiling you. Uh, Pastor Borland is hanging over uh, Pastor Dobler's mic. What does he got here? I just wonder, uh, Bird Girls, did you guys ever get a drone for a present? Did you ever get a drone? She bought that. I, I bought one for myself once. A drone? How did that work out for your family? Um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And if you've listened to previous episodes, you might know what is being referenced there. So it'll be a reason to go back through the episode catalog. Um, do we want to go youngest now or do we want to go Noel? Sophia, you want Noel to go next or you want to go? No. All right. Uh, Noel, favorite present uh, you've gotten or, or thing you're most looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to getting, like, gift cards and that's about it. And my favorite gift... When I was younger, I got one of those Play-Doh machines that when you put the Play-Doh in and you would press it down and make something. I always wanted one of those. Like a Play-Doh, like P-L-A-T-O, like it, it made truth claims. Um, what? <laughs> did it come with a cave? You don't, um, get, you don't get the joke, do you? No. Okay, Abigail understands the joke. Um, so what a... What are you hoping for this year? Or you said you got the Play-Doh thing in the past, right? Yeah. Is there anything you're really hoping for that um, that we could put pressure on your parents? If they didn't get you this, you'd be disappointed. Um, not really. I like like getting gifts and shopping for people more. And I'm not just saying that. It's just fun to like get gifts for people. It's just fun. Uncle Joe's the seal, the seal, the wax seal. Okay, one year. Uncle Joe gave us Christmas presents. It was like he gave us in like April because it came from China. But he gave us this um, stationery set. Is that when they celebrate Christmas in April? Or he told you he ordered it and it just wasn't there at Christmas. Yeah, it came from China, so it came in April. (laughs) So he gave us a stationery set, like a really fancy one. And he ordered seals for us, so we each have one. Seals like, um, like seals in the ocean, like our 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 wax seals that you put Pastor on letters. Because Pastor Dobler also uh, like seals. I love baby seals. They're the wax seals that you put on letters, and we each got one for our first initial, and then we had B for Berg, and then we got those special pens, but I forgot what they're called. Fountain pens, and we would heat it up over a candle in this really cool spoon thing, and then we would pour it on the envelope, um, and then we would take the stamp and press it into the wax, and it would have our initial. I'll just point out that Noel did do an appropriate 
um, like hand motion for each of those steps, demonstrating it, which I do appreciate. <laughs> um, Sophia, this is this brings us to you. We've got high expectations. Uh, we saved the best for last. Either best present you've gotten in the past or what you're looking forward to getting this year. I will say I'm disappointed no one has mentioned Jesus yet. But I'm just joking. All right, <laughs> Sophia, go ahead. I want to get an Ancestry.com DNA test. <laughs> <laughs> On yourself? <coughs> yeah. It, uh, what do you want to know about your past? Do you not think your parents are your real parents? <laughs> what, what especially would you like to find out? I think that's a great idea. I'm very impressed, actually. What do you want to find out uh, from that? Or what got you interested in that? Um, our, heritage pro- our heritage project at school. Nice. And so you want to find out more about where all your, your families come from? Yeah. The uh, Where your dad got that fantastic hair from... Uh, <laughs> There's probably some account like 1730 of some Berg who immigrated over and uh, Ellis Island. It says, you know, farmer with fantastic hair. (laughs) So how do you do you even know how you do this DNA test? How does it work? I think you spit in something. (laughs) I don't think that's how it works. Really? You just spit? Something like that. I, now, do you want it just for you, or do you want other other siblings to have to take it too? I, is, do you well, want to know if they actually are your siblings? Realistically, if we were her siblings, we would have the same. So if she got it realistically, that would be our DNA as well. Right, but maybe she suspects one of you isn't actually. Then we would have to take the DNA test too. That's what I'm saying. It, uh, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> do you have a favorite? Since we we got on Uncle Joe and thoughtful presents, do you have a favorite present that Uncle Joe has given you? Um. Sophia's like talking quietly, not in my Sophia does the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can I can I tell you a story that I heard, and I don't know if it's true, and you can tell me if it's true. Did Uncle Joe once make a hockey rink in his basement for you guys? Yeah. Yeah? I'm, I'm going to hand Abigail the mic, too, but maybe you guys... Was that for Christmas, or maybe you can give us the backstory on that? Um, I don't remember why he did it, because, like, I think they had, for some reason, hockey nets or soccer nets, and we played in his basement, and it was really fun. And Sophia had a concession stand, and she sold peanut <laughs> M&Ms for one quarter, and it was it was very fun. I distinctly remember there being cheese sticks, too. I don't yes, know why. Yes, there were. <laughs> did, did anyone check anybody? Was there any good, like, body checks or big hits? Yeah. Who got hurt? Anybody? Probably me. Probably me. You know who I could see being the most dangerous in that scenario? Is your mother? <laughs> she did. Right? She's not very big, but I could see her getting very competitive. She decided not to play, but I played. Well, good. Did your dad play at all? Did you? He did. Oh, he did. Did uh, did he get electrocuted? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, Bird Girls, you got anything else? Otherwise, we will. Wrap up the uh, the free for all. I think we can we can save the grown ups present thoughts. 
so, Sophie's, <laughs> for another time. Sophie's got one more thing that Uncle Joe does does for for the nieces and nephews. He makes baseball cards, and Uncle Dad makes draws tattoos on the nephews. So she also made newspapers. I'm going to want the backstory on Uncle Dad, but um, <laughs> we'll save that for another time. That sounds like a great idea. You guys want to know my favorite Christmas memory? One time uh, we were fighting about our presents after Christmas, my brother and I, and my dad got a garbage bag and put all of our presents in it, and then he drove us down to the Brewster Projects in Detroit and told us about all the poor kids who don't have presents, and then he told us he gave our presents away um, we had to wait a week or two, and then he gave them back to us, and we appreciated them. So see that, uh, isn't that a nice Christmas story about learning to appreciate the yeah. uh, the presents that you have? Is it bad? Do you think it's bad or good that I was relieved that the poor kids didn't get my presents and I got them? <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. All right. Well, I think uh, unless... Mike or Brian, uh, Pastor Borland still hasn't made his way off the couch. Unless you have anything else, I guess that will take us to our main topic, which isn't Christmas, but Advent. which is the church season of Advent. So this is the beginning of the church year. So we have uh, a new year. The new year for the church um, begins with uh, Sunday closest to November 30th, St. Andrews. We mentioned that before. And so we have another cycle. We have definitely cycles of time, uh, the ebb and flow of time that we have uh, just as physical people in this in this world, so we have the the seasons of of nature. We have certain holidays that are secular. We have the going back and forth from vacations baseball and school, seasons, baseball seasons. Season. You know, I mean, if you're really into baseball, you know it's hot stove league time right now. If you're really into it, you know when the winter meetings are and your team's going to pick up Bryce Harper, like the Cardinals, something like that. Um, and so we, as people, we have those ebbs and flows. We have those calendars that we. Uh, that we can't get away from, and the and the church has its own calendar as well, and the calendar starts with Advent, and so we brought on uh, two uh, two men who have been in the parish for for a while, and one still in the parish, uh, Pastor Bordelin at St. John's McGuanago in Wisconsin, and to talk about the season of Advent, and so I'm going to kick it to him, John, first of all, and say. Answer this question: Yay or nay? Midweek Advent services? You're for or against them? For them, keep going, huh? And, and why? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm against them. By the way, yeah, um, never had them um, at my uh, first parish and uh, didn't miss them. And if you would ask me, I would honestly say a month ago, if you asked me if I was for them or against them, um, I would say I was against them at that time <laughs> as I was cranking out service folders. Um, how about this? In the craziness of the month leading up to Christmas, um, I think you'd ask any parish pastor. 
uh, highlight of the week is Sunday morning, right? You're there with most of your people um, gathered around the gifts. And now in the craziness that's December, you have another opportunity to bump into your people um, around the word um, and have that time together um, as church gets bigger, uh, really look for that opportunity to be with people in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and that's wonderfully refreshing. And uh, usually the last two, three weeks of December, we don't do any meetings at our parish because uh, we're in worship all the time. And so for that reason, if you give me a choice about uh, gathering around the word for a half hour <laughs> on a Wednesday evening or going to a meeting, I'm going to say, uh, evening prayer. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we should have church every day. I think day. you should wait to give your opinion if you are against But it. what I'm saying is, here, here is something that'll kick us off into the meaning of Advent, is that Advent really is not just a anticipation of Christ's um, first coming, but it really an anticipation of him coming at the, the end times. And so in the la- latter part of the church year, uh, which usually falls or certainly falls in November, we're also thinking about those end times things, heaven, hell, Jesus uh, return. You ha- you throw in a Lutheran context, you throw the Reformation in there, the church's um, uh, work here, the church militant on this side of heaven. And it's hard to not repeat yourself going from the end of the church year into Advent, which is also speaking about the, the second coming of Christ. And you throw in another three or four sermons in there. It's hard. It's hard to... It's hard to keep it fresh, is what I'm saying, and, and uh, so maybe maybe you can speak to that. Yeah, well, um, and ever since I've had Advent services, I've always had another preacher there as well, which, um, especially at this time of year, has been an absolute blessing. But as far as keeping it fresh, I think that's that's helped um, um, on one end of things. Um, Mike, if you preach the text, it's always fresh, of course. And um, um, yeah, right, Brian, you would uh, you would agree with that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, maybe speak to that. I, not only the the first coming of Christ, anticipating that, but putting ourselves in the in the as Wade would correct me, not the shoes, but the sandals of ancient Israel, as we anticipate a second coming. You know, a Kyrie eleison. We're not doing very well down here without you, uh, come Lord Jesus. But then also that He comes specifically in word and sacrament. And like you're getting, I think you get you threw out these midweeks, and now you're getting into what Advent is. Can we? Address the midweeks first, and then well, we'll come back. Them. We'll come back around that, and we'll vote. Well, we're going to jump if, all over then. Oh, that'll be fine. Wade's just angry that he's not in charge for a little bit. <laughs> the uh, well, no, you went from should we have these services to now unpacking what Advent is. And... Well, I, I think it, it plays into the 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 lead in was you're talking about the same things as at the end of the church year. Now let's explore how Advent maybe is a little bit different. So. I'm specifically thinking of the pericope where Palm Sunday is brought up in historically the first Sunday of Advent. Maybe you want to go go with that, John. Yeah, I just read an article this last week, uh, Lutheran Forum. In a way, I guess I never thought, you know, you emphasize in Advent uh, the, the three comings um, of Christ. And uh, the writer in this article made the point that the first three Sundays in Advent in the historic church here... Uh, you can see that distinct emphasis um, in each week that that the coming of Christ, um, the opportunity to emphasize, obviously, his first coming um, in the flesh. Um, the second week uh, in the one year, uh, Luke 21, his coming at the end of time. And then the third week, uh, John the Baptist, you know, who, 
who are you? Uh, John the Baptist has his disciples as Jesus, um, and the emphasis of, of Christ coming uh, through a preacher, um, through the word. And so um, I think that's an interesting, as far as different ways, and I think that's more helpful to approach it than the, um, you know, the, the Advent wreath has any different uh, number of meanings attached to it and, and how you, but uh, to emphasize again and again um, those three comings, especially you hit on it, Mike, um, the church is always waiting, right? And we're not very good at waiting. I'd say uh, that's one of the reasons I appreciate the extra opportunity at Advent um, to talk to that, to a waiting people. Um, and yes, Jesus comes soon. So, uh, Pastor Tobler, maybe some of your experiences in the parish with Advent, uh, things maybe that you really appreciated that that were unique to that season, and maybe things that, looking back, you had said, oh, I wish I would have emphasized this or did something different. Yeah, uh, Advent always was uh, super appreciated, especially the, the midweek evenings. We preferred to do stuff that was just quiet, uh, devotional, uh, and anticipating. Um, a lot of times, because the, the Sundays in Advent take care of the the theme of Advent, you wonder what to do in the midweek. We would do some kind of catechetical thing, a lot like uh, some churches do during the, the Lenten season. So uh, anticipating Christ coming, but looking at his coming through, you know, let's say the sacraments, baptism, uh, Holy Communion, uh, and, and things like that. So... Generally, we just enjoy the opportunity to get together in the evening looking forward to uh, the coming of Christ in catechetical ways. Yeah, Wade, maybe you can speak to that. You know, it, Advent, has, talk a, Advent has a, a repentant feel to it, or at least historically. Um, maybe, you can, maybe you can explore that a little bit. It's a penitential season technically, but it's different than Lent. You are amped up tonight. We're ready to go. <laughs> um, yeah, I would I would think going back to the midweeks, uh, maybe first. Um, I've my experience in Lutheranism has always been to have midweeks because um, we had that at Peace in Livonia, and then we had that at Christ Lutheran where I served. And I think the midweeks can be done well when we remember that Advent is a penitential season, like Lent, um, and so this this midweek service can be an extra opportunity to kind of orient ourselves and focus um, precisely when we are busiest is when we really need to pray most and, and need that word the most. Um, it, you brought it up already, Mike, and others have too, but this the the beginning of the church here, so this Advent is ad venire, or venere, depending on how you want to say your Latin, um, to come to, to arrive. And we get out of the end time season at the end of the church here in that last Sunday of the year, and it's very much, you know, the emphasis is Jesus is where we will go or being ready for Jesus to come on the the last day, simply the last day. So, um, for instance, uh, I think that Sunday often, I don't know if this is the one year or it comes up in the three year, but the five foolish virgins and the five wise. And so the bridegroom is going to come and we wait for that. Um, but I think one thing that Advent picks up on that is additional to that is actually the presence of Christ in that season too. So as was mentioned, that he is present, he comes right now. And there I think is an opportunity for the Advent season to take a very uh, sacramental focus. We we get the debate, you know, as Advent pre-Christmas. And when I first came out of SEM, 
I don't know what you guys were like, but you know, I was dead set. Advents pre Christmas, and I even had you could put blue. We put the Christmas trees up, but you could have blue lights on it. But we'd put the actual Christmas lights on right before Christmas Eve, and and I was that the first ladies' aid meeting you made that dictum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was. Uh... <laughs> I, I, I thankfully inherited largely that practice, um, but uh, Dobler's wearing a blue sweater today. He is. It's very very Advent. Get ready for it, and uh, but. As I get older, I'm not as worried about if some Christmas creeps into Advent. I think it's um, not the end of the world to be excited about the Incarnation. But um, the the midweek thing, from that perspective, I I think that can be... I get pastors are busy, and this can be one more thing. Um, but from a pastoral perspective, too, this is when, for a lot of people, this is the roughest time of year. And for pastors, usually, when you're busiest, too, with people having a hard time... Um, and I, I found, um, that a lot of times I went into Advent Vespers right out of counseling or absolution or something, a pastoral situation. And it was a good thing to have, um, for people to hear that, that the hard thing with the Advent midweeks is Lent is built for you already. I mean, you've got the midweek passion accounts and I, Mike, you could tell us better than, than I would know how far those go back, but that's really built into Lutheranism, you know, largely you have those accounts. Advent's harder. you got to kind of craft a series. Um, it's not as easy to do. There's some really cool ones out there. Um, John Pless, friend of the show from Concordia Fort Wayne, just shared the other day one based on Luther's Oratio, Meditatio, Tentatio, which I thought was a really cool idea. Um, but uh, if you think of the colors to get to what you were bringing up, Mike, the traditional color of Advent was purple, which is the same color as Lent, which reminds us it's a penitential uh, season. But the joy of Advent, even though it's penitential, and we hear that word penance in there and maybe think like, it's a time to get right to God. That's not that's not the, the case at all. Rather, it's a, a joyful time. Repentance is a joyful thing for the Christian because it's a, a daily reliving of our baptism. It's It's dying to sin and rising to new life. So it's not this... If it were simply penitential in that, like, we, this is our time to get right for, before God comes, then we would say, hold off a little bit, Jesus, hold off. Um, but instead, we joyfully pray, you know, come, Lord Jesus, come, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And I think that's a, um, you know, a, a powerful part of that. And, Mike, you can comment if you want to, on the shift of blue and how maybe that brings some of that out for some or, or Pastor Dobler, whatever you have as well. I do like the shift to blue. We always went with blue, uh, just with that feeling. You'd build each week, uh, whether you're talking midweek uh, or the Sunday services, uh, building from uh, you know a more of a, a mixed focus, looking at uh, Christ's second coming uh, early on to the repentance theme of John the Baptist to finally uh, you know the promise of the virgin birth with Mary, building with with the, the anticipation, and then also building the joy uh, that comes with repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we would usually add in again. I didn't have a problem with uh, letting Chris, the idea of anticipating the birth of Christ. We would add in more and more uh, Christmas thoughts and even songs as the season of Advent went on. Early on, it was very much an anticipation of His second coming. Uh, then it went to repentance and how he comes to us uh, today in his in word and sacrament to finally how does he come to us, how, how did he come to us uh, through the incarnation and, and the virgin birth. Uh, and so following that theme, you had a lot of building in of 
more and more Christmas songs as you went deeper and deeper into the Advent season. I think uh, something you said there, you know, probably when I first started, yeah, uh, we shall not sing a Christmas hymn in this parish until Christmas Eve at 7 p.m. Well, then you, you get in a parish and you realize, um, A, the, the school kids are immersed in Christmas hymnody for a month. Um, and then the present reality of some places, you know, you get your preschool Christmas service, your, your Sunday school Christmas, you know, the kids are caroling. You know, Christmas is around. I think somewhat you're kind of a fool just to ignore it completely. I mean, it doesn't uh, overwhelm the the season, but I've, I don't say I've, I've loosened on that, but it seems to make a little more sense, you know, that, um, that, that finds a place, um, you know, I think at Gerhardt's advent, him, um, you know, love caused your incarnation, love brought you down to me. I mean, uh, there's oftentimes we sing that, um, on Christmas morning in the parish. Well, it's certainly, you know, Adventy Christmas. Um, some Wade, you said there, uh, about, you know, it's a little more of a stretch finding preaching. I think too, um, last couple of years, uh, we've cheated a little bit and just, um, maybe picked the Psalms from the Sunday and went with those on Wednesday. Um, if, if you and your associate can commit to preaching the gospels, that's primarily what we do in, in McGuanago. Um, then come midweek, we explore the old testament lesson did a series on the on the prayers of the of the day you know so it's um and like brian it's a pastor dobler had said uh, a little more devotional um in nature which means not as long of a sermon in our world so <laughs> uh, and i don't know mike what your thoughts with this would be too but it it seems like a, a nice natural opportunity to incorporate vespers into the church's life um unfortunately you're not going to get a lot of people to church every evening for vespers and uh it it really fits naturally with that office. And so I think liturgically as well, it's really a neat opportunity to expose people to what's been a, a very um, appreciative, informative liturgy in the history of the church and is chock full of some of the really important songs of the church. Oh, right. and the language mag- of the church. Magnificat, of course, fits beautifully in the in the Advent season. Yeah, you know, the Advent season I really enjoyed in, in my parish. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not not sold on the on the every wednesday i, I mean I, I get the benefits and especially in a large parish you, you you could you could pull it off what we did is we had one big one where we brought in all of our choirs all the, you know we had the bells and everything and that was kind of not a showcase because that's the the wrong term but we were going to do some advent christmas music very well the first wednesday in december usually and uh that vespers that quiet moment i think was a was a fair compromise between you know you just worried about people being super busy and then now you know to add another thing to them and i get the balance there with the, actually that may be good when you're busy and that so that was a compromise the other uh, things that are you know we kind of talked about how you know do you want to keep this a penitential season do you want to be the jerk that you know is against santa claus and against you know a a christmas tree up there and stuff advent if you really you can really kind of uh have a nice compromises there and so um i took the gloria out and just so that would be greater on christmas at the same time you know i we kind of waited until the poinsettias came and and the pericope especially the one year follows that uh, as you already mentioned both both uh pastor borderland and pastor dobler mentioned that you really get in the fourth Sunday, that's where you really start getting to Mary and, and Jesus and, and the, the, the incarnation. And so that becomes the time when you can really start singing some of those Christmas hymns. And there's so many Christmas hymns that are, that are a little bit more subdued, you know, what child is this? And, you know, and, and a lot of other ones that are, that are actually Lutheran that, that are a little bit quieter. That's the, that, that maybe you wouldn't sing Christmas morning, 
because that's going to be reserved for joy to the world and stuff like that, which is fine. That that's a great opportunity to have some of those more subdued kind of Christmas hymns that are a little bit more thoughtful and quiet in the evening. And I, I think you're right. The, the Vespers bringing that in is, is huge too. And, and I was, I really enjoyed that. We, we kind of made a point to say that, that the Christmas tree and the wreaths during Advent were going to be blue and silver. And then we were going to change it all over so that on, when you came Christmas, there was a, there was, there was something different between Advent four and Christmas. Even if that was the same day, we made a point of, doing the work of taking everything down and putting back up again. And um, it's a subtle thing, but I think it, I think it's important and uh, it's a teaching moment and, and it's a compromise too, where you're not a Grinch and at the same time um, you're pastoral in that sense that you're like, okay, let's just think about the difference of, of this. Let's, let's be just, we're not going to be, we're not going to be anti-culture, but we're just going to be a little bit counter-cultural in a way that I think, that I think is, allows people to be reflective of it without being, um, let's say a liturgical snob or, or an overly pious person. And Mike, or I guess any of you, maybe you could just hit on, you did mention, um, omitting the Gloria in Advent. And I think this is something I did too. I'm, I'm guessing others have, and we, we, there's things we omit in Lent too, for instance, the Alleluia. These are things that I think are great to do, and I would encourage them. Um, but they're they're as good as you teach them, right? What um what is the what what is so teachable about admitting the omitting the Gloria um, that maybe if people don't have that practice, it's something to think about, or maybe if they do have it, um, but they've never had it explained to them, but they've noticed this is happening in church. What uh why omit it, and and what's its connection to Christmas that you would want to omit it until Christmas? Yeah, and and I'm you know a lot of churches it, the, the history seems to be kind of mixed of taking out the Alleluia and Gloria for Advent. Um, I, I took them both out, although um, in Advent there's there's Alleluias that sneak their way into the Advent hymns, um, and and that's that's okay because Advent's just a little bit different than Lent. Um, but we're, we're, Jesus hasn't come yet. And, um, we are living here without the full benefits. We are in the already, but the not yet. And it's okay for us to, to admit that we're in the not yet. And then just to have that kind of contrast. And it's just, it's, it's a practical thing too, that just says, Hey, there's something different. You know, we always talk about, well, the church is being stodgy and, and it's boring. It's the same thing over and over and again. If you, and then the answer is throw it all out and put in, put in a, a drum set. Well, hold on. If you understand all of the, the little subtle changes there and you teach them, there's actually quite a bit of variety there. And, and I always thought as a pastor that as anytime there was an opportunity to change something and has some variety with meaning, I was going to take advantage of that so that we didn't get stale. And so, um, you know, I, I don't blame somebody for, for keeping the glory in Advent or whatever the history's mixed on that. And it's not a huge deal, but I took that opportunity to say, this is different. So let's not get into a rut and then teach about it. And it's a teachable moment for, you know, some of the people who care or <laughs> come enough, you know? And so, uh, I, I thought that was th that was beneficial, and just the way things looked and the way things sounded uh, uh, hasn't it has its advantages. Like, I'm just curious, based on a little bit of what you said, how do you feel about the uh, the little drummer boy? <laughs> um, we had a I had a, uh, a dear dear lady 
a fantastic lady. Um, she did she uh, did one of the big outdoor nativity scenes, you know, and painted it fully with the, the blonde haired blue eyed Jesus because <laughs> he's German, of course. And uh, uh, we had a drummer boy, and I I I, I put him up. I used mentioned drum sets, so I didn't know if there was. No, I'm okay with. Still, there was yeah. a in, when we were in grade school at St. Robert Bellarmine, we the Christmas pageant one year. We all came in with the little drummer boy song, and we had little drums, and we did pump up a pump. And um, were you the fat little drummer boy? Or <laughs> yeah, no? I was. I was. And uh, one of the teachers though got so mad that that wasn't. She was like old school Catholic, yeah. like Tridentine, you know. Yeah. And she walked out, um, and then another year she walked out during. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Well, maybe that you one. Know, <laughs> you know, talking about getting rid of the Gloria, but yeah, first year McGonagall, um, we did that practice, got rid of the Gloria on Sundays, and then uh, my midweek Advent service were the songs of Luke, you know, so yeah. you have the Magnificat, the Benedictus, and then you get to third week and the Gloria, yeah. you know, and then some, you know, which is wi- okay. you, some, some wise kid in, uh, in catechism, uh, Pastor, we don't sing the Gloria on Sundays, <laughs> but, you know, you, you talked about for, you know, 10 minutes on Sunday, I'm like, well, we're just practicing Christian freedom, young friends, yeah. so. <laughs> and there, there is a softening as you get closer to even in Lent. So like for Monday, Thursday, I would bring back the Alleluia and we would have white, um, the color white. And, and there, there's a little drop of, of relief there. If you want to put it that way, that's a bad way to put it. But in the penitential seasons there and in anticipation of, of the great feast that is coming. Um, so what do you got? You guys blue or purple? Blue. Uh, blue in uh, former parish and purple at the current parish. Oh, really? So, yeah. Really? So, and we just got a new set of pyramids for Advent. Uh, we had a little extra money left over, so we have our own purple pyramids for Lent and purple pyramids So you had to d- specifically make a choice between blue and purple, and Correct. you chose purple. We did. What was the reason for that? I think some of the the history of the parish was purple, and so that was, um, I wasn't I didn't have strong inclinations one way or another, and so feelings of uh, the folks we talked about with were to keep it purple and i had no no arguments against that so um i do have a question when you're talking about different color things and you guys may know this better than me um so the fourth sunday in lent you know all of a sudden uh some churches use rose or or for the fourth sunday in lent right there's a joy emphasis there Lightari, if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm talking in Lent, the fourth Sunday in Lent. And then the third Sunday in Advent has that. And anything, is there any connection, as I'm asking you, between the third Sunday in Advent and the fourth Sunday in Lent, that you're just beyond halfway of this penitential season? I think it's that um, at some point someone bought like a really nice pink chasuble for the Lent one. Uh, yeah, whoa, and then they're, whoa, whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Then they're make, like, when can I wear this again? I, 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 make, I, I make it very clear in my worship class that it's not pink, but it's rose. Sure. So they okay. got a nice um, rose <laughs> chasuble, and they're like, man, this is too good to only wear once a year. So, and did, then they, so did you have a, was your third candle pink? Yeah, but well, I didn't. we didn't have pink pairs. Rose. rose or pink? It was rose. rose. It was rose. It was rose. It was rose. It was rose. Yeah. So by another name, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the blue thing is in, interesting. I I've grown to love it because you know, it, it is still a deep reflective color, especially if you have the shade that's a little bit darker and it fits well with the season and anticipation of God co- Christ coming from heaven. Some of the history is, well, 
it, it it had some history, but it really took off in the 1960s um, with Vatican II, from what I understand. And there was a little sense of adding a, a Marian aspect to Advent. And, you know, if you look back in, in some of the great works of art, um, not exclusively, but Mary is often wearing blue. That's how you know she's the queen of heaven and stuff like that. And so, I, you know, the, the phrase that when the... Uh, the Pope sneezes, the Lutherans catch a cold, you know, and so we were all excited about buying. And I'm sure it was great for the uh, the companies that make pyramids. Now all of a sudden these churches had to buy, <laughs> everybody had to buy blue. Um, so I, I've grown to love it, but I'm a little cynical, just a little bit of it being the Marian color and um, kind of a kind of a newer thing. But I actually have grown to like the difference between um, between Lent and Advent there a little bit because it is different. It's your turn to talk, Wade. The, uh, I guess where it might be helpful to go with it then now is you mentioned it earlier, but so the one-year lectionary begins with, and I think this is one of the oddest things to people who are not used to the one-year lectionary that are used to the three-year, um, it begins with the same reading for Palm Sunday. Now, if you do Passion Sunday... Uh, where you go through the entire Passion history, the Palm Sunday account becomes the first reading, really beginning that service, read from the back of the church often, um, on that day. And then the, the Passion history really becomes um, the chief reading within the that service. But uh, for, I think, parishioners and for pastors, if you, you start looking at the one year, and I do think... I'm not necessarily a guy that says ditch the three-year, but I think there's real value in at least doing the one-year sometimes, um, partly because of all the great resources from the church's history that are out there. Uh, but maybe uh, we can talk a little bit that Advent One account, and we hit on it somewhat, but why Palm Sunday and what we can learn about Advent from the church putting that account there, Jesus walking or riding in, um, to die on a rental donkey, right? What in the world does that have to do with Advent? Well, I think one thing is is just the pastoral thing as you get into December is to say, this cute little baby boy came to die. Remember, look past the wood of the manger to the wood of the cross. Look past the hills of Judea to the to the hill of um, of, of Calvary. And, and and the introduction writes itself too. If you're living in the Midwest, why are we talking about palms in the middle of in the yeah. middle of winter? Well, here's why. Yeah, right? I mean, so it connects right, you to the cross. Right. Happy New Year. Right. Yeah. It's not a Happy New Year. Oh, you know. Good morning. Good morning. You know. Happy. So here we start this year. And what you said, Mike. What I are did we say here? Happy New Year. By the way, I was that guy. I believe it. You know. Yeah. Right? Anything for a laugh. You know. And uh, you know what? What are we doing here? Uh, not just in these weeks. Uh, leading up to the celebration of Christmas. But what are we doing in here uh, week in um, and week out? And, and this is this is your king, and he doesn't always look so much like a king. Um, and he comes, and this is the purpose. And uh, and very nice connection between Christmas and Easter then, too. So beginning of the Advent season, beginning of Holy Week with the same account. Well, yeah, doesn't it bring in the, the humility with Christ coming on the donkey? But it also just has that sense right away of, this is why Christ comes. So Christ comes to save us. Uh, Christ comes through the, the Word. Christ, or excuse me, Christ comes to save us. Christ comes again. Christ comes through the Word, and then we back back to the incarnation. I mean, it just fits the theme of the 
of the season, but it sets it off um, with that humble, um, repentant thought of if Christ comes on a donkey, so also we anticipate his coming, both his second and his first coming, uh, with uh, the humble reminder of who we are and why Christ needed to come for us. And to tie into that, to, to answer the prayer, right? To answer the church's prayer of Hosanna. And so um, the same Jesus who rides in on a donkey to answer Hosanna is the same Jesus who we lift our Hosannas to week in and week out. And he's there for us. He's really there to answer that prayer. And he's coming finally at the end of the ages, right? And in our prayer and finally... Uh, the deliverance that comes there. So. Yeah, I think you know the, the Advent season for me is an extended Kyrie. Lord have mercy, come, come. We're not, we're not, as we said before, we're not doing very well down here without you. And uh, the answer to that is a baby boy um, in Bethlehem. And so then we sing on Christmas the angels' song in response of that, and we do that every Sunday with the Kyrie and the Gloria. That that it, I think I see it as an exchange almost, and um, then putting that to Lent where it's a Kyrie eleison type of, of season. And then you have uh, his answer, Jesus Christ coming to die Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday. And then of course, of course, Holy Week. And maybe just, uh, we, we made some connections. Okay. This, the, the first Sunday in Advent and Palm Sunday, the, the first day of Holy Week have a connection. There, there's a lot of those little connections in the church here. I think of, um, and Transfiguration Sunday, if you use that as your last Sunday um, before Lent or pre-Lent, and you sing the Farewell to Alleluia, and you sing that tune, Picardi, to, to that, and then that's the same tune for um, Sing My Tongue the Glorious Battle, which is Good Friday, and so you have that connection between uh, the last part of Epiphany season and the last part of Lent. There, There's those cool little things that not everybody gets, and not everybody's gonna get. But you can point it out, and there, there, some probably more members than you think will, will notice that those readings or those tunes or those songs that are, that are put together and balance things out through through the church here. It it is interesting if you flip through the Advent section of a hymnal, just how many of the Advent hymns uh, that we still sing have that Palm Sunday connection. Um, and how much of that is missed if you, I'm not saying you have to, you know, like Wade, you said, I'm not saying you have to do the one year, but it's, uh, it's think, definitely has been part of the church's celebration of Advent. And so. I, well, I want to say it's in, in, in the one year it comes up in Matthew, maybe once. I think the Palm Sunday comes up once in the three year, does it? Or I'm not, we'll look it up while, while, uh, Wade, sorry to cut you off, Wade. You don't No, I was going to say that it does tell us there was something intentional on the church's part that it saw a value of it there. Um. I think a connection too, as he comes, you know, humbly, as as Brian mentioned, um, to the means of grace. You know, the 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 coming at the end of time, right? This is going to be grandiose, and 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 we'll know all those who pierced him will see him. But the same one who came rather unimpressively into Jerusalem. Now, this is we've sometimes downplayed. This is impressive, still, right? He's being welcomed. They're, the palms, there's important signification to this, but he is on a rental donkey, and, and we know what happens that week, um, is the same one that comes to us in a way that um, is humble and meek in word and sacrament. Um, you could almost say draws you to himself precisely because he doesn't come with terrors and wrath, um, but comes in an, an exceedingly 
approachable mm. way. And I think in there, a reminder to the church um, that we are to be exceedingly approachable. Um, not that we don't preach law, not that we're, you know, not concerned about um, uh, living out our life in Christ, you know, well, um, but that we ought to be about the least intimidating place to go when you're overwhelmed by sin or weighed down by life, um, that we ought not be presenting a Jesus to the world who is medieval Jesus with the double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, um, but that, you know, people are almost surprised by, wait, God comes here and, you know, he's coming in means of grace for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and I think that the Palm Sunday message then um, connects that way as yeah, well. I think I see that that's the quiet beauty of, of Advent. I mean, it's almost... It, you know, if you can put quiet and shocking together uh, in the same, I mean, you have him uh, on a donkey and that, that humility the first week. I mean, the second week, okay, you have that, that picture and more of this, you know, grandiose and coming at the end times, coming on the clouds. Uh, but then the rest of the time, I mean, it's through a guy, John the Baptist is the preacher who's wearing, you know, camel's clothing and eating locusts and then, you know, finally, it's through this just poor peasant virgin uh, woman, and then, and then, and then the biggest shock of all when you get to Christmas is, here's your king, this baby born in a barn. I mean, each one says, I, I like that word, approachable. Uh, each one says approachable. Each one says, here is a savior that is is for you, uh, and a savior you can come to, uh, that you can speak to, that you can trust in. Um, not one that intimidates and drives you off. The one that you might anticipate and expect, uh, but comes in a shocking, uh, yet quiet way, and that just that fits that season of Advent so so beautifully to uh, break away from all of the everything else, all of the busyness, all of the extra demands, uh, just to sit back and realize this is the kind of Savior I have. And and it's when the world is. Um well, John, you were just recently in New York, but I think of when Mike and I were out at Mockingbird, and um, you know, you go to Times Square, and in many ways, Times Square is just like the perfect symbol of America, right? Like the, the glitz and the glare, and you, and you need this, you want this, and there's people, you and know, the, in the, the cowboy, the cowboy in his underwear. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's um, that in a season that I'm not going to get it materialism, or and I'm not even saying capitalism is bad, but there's a lot of people shouting right then. There's family shouting, perhaps, um, if this is when stressors come. There's advertisers. There's um, children maybe you want to provide gifts for. Um, there's, if you're a student, end of the semester. There's a lot of things shouting at you all of once, and who's still there in that still small voice with that whisper um, is the Son of God. And I think there's a, there is a power and an importance in that of, um, you know, he gets you've got enough shouting um and uh and here is you know and and these texts too are pretty rich in the you aspect right um or the inclusion of everyone behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world well who does that include that includes you um behold your savior comes to you meek and riding on a donkey well who does he come to he comes to you and you don't get that in the midst of shouting in the same way that you get it in the 
um, the meekness and the humility in which Christ comes and we're in sacrament. You know, and you die, the, the Gloria, uh, I think a part of moving the Gloria off also is because it's the song of the angels at the birth of Christ. But, you know, also grab the feeling of that. Uh, dial back your Advent season. Uh, let it be a quiet contemplation. Uh, set, let the let the organ be a little bit quieter. Let the, the, the piano be a little bit quieter. Let the people contemplate. Uh, let the, the quiet voice of the congregation be heard as they just uh, take a break from everything else going on in the world around them and just joyfully uh, and penitentially anticipate, here is my Savior coming for me. I, I will say something, you know, that, he has a fit on with the the approachability of it and and the the still small voice and so pastorally one of the things I love about Advent and I mean my devotional life gets a re kickstart always this time of year just by being in the hymnal um, you're uh, being in worship once more a week but then I mentioned before you know the committee meetings and the reports they all kind of go to the wayside because because face it your folks don't want to be in a council meeting on December twenty first either of you and so. I've always made it a habit um, the week leading up to Christmas. Right at the end of Advent is when we we see, doesn't matter how many shut-ins, we, that week we go to see all of our shut-ins, you know, whether it's that time of the month um, or not. And just to be, to get to be pastor, um, two people, one at a time, and they're just a lot of hurt, you know, not just in the shut-ins, but uh, throughout the congregation. And and you you have them. You, you have the living... The living voice of Jesus, um, and that beautiful context of the Advent season to to deliver Him for you um, in need. Um, and I can't tell you how many of those. I mean, just with tears running down the cheeks, right? And and, and it might not be a very merry Christmas uh, that we're preparing for, um, but there is a real joy there um, as as we continue to wait for His reappearing. So, I was wrong. That the three year, I'm disappointed that the three year didn't have. It's been a long time since I was. Do you want to hit pause year. real quick? It leads a leaves a mark in there for when we go back to produce it, in case we want to highlight anything <laughs> that I, that I was wrong. Yes, um, but uh, I, I think what I was thinking maybe it was Psalm 24 that is always in there, which is the Palm Sunday Psalm, and so there is still is a connection there. I think it's disappointing that. The, the problem with ad- picking text for Advent is there's just so much, right? There's there's so much to pick there. Um, but uh, Psalm 24, um, you know, so you're talking um, about the, the gates opening up, you know, um, th- th- that's always there. So there still is maybe a Palm Sunday connection uh, vaguely there, it's still in the three-year lectionary. Um, the, the idea of Palm Sunday, too, just to, just to finish that, too, um, the, the lowly pomp that we sing, I, I was, that was a struggle for me to figure that out. The lowly pomp is such a beautiful thing. Um, and, and yet what is it? Is it his, is it him being King or is it him being lowly? Which do you, which do you emphasize? And finally came to the terms that it was both right. That even riding on a donkey technically in the ancient world was a kingly thing. Um, but still, it's lowly pomp, right? As a good king is there to serve his people. So the king of kings is here to be a ransom for many, not to be served, but to serve to serve others. I, uh, what are we at time-wise, Mike? One hour. Oh, okay, we're doing all right. Um, one thing that Luther brings out 
with the Palm Sunday text and uh, in the context of Advent, but, but I think elsewhere as well, if I'm remembering correctly, is that uh, Advent also inherently teaches the bound will. Because we pray again and again, come Lord Jesus, come. Now maybe we're singing a bunch of corny carols where it talks about us, let us go to Bethlehem. And, and But as much as those can be fine to sing, and I'm not saying you can't sing them, we know deep down uh, we can't go to Bethlehem and see Jesus there. It's come Lord Jesus, come. And in that is a confession of um, our inability to go to him. We need him to come to us. And so that is an, um, it is a deep recognition of our need for the gospel. You have in there both a confession of the fall and original sin and our fallen state and need, and that's expressed both in our aware, awareness of our own sinfulness, um, but also just our awareness that we're in a fallen world. Right? It, crazy things happen around this time of year. You watch the news and and you know, or you're on Twitter and and and, and you see things and you go, that's just it's not how it should be. Um, but also that, well, what does Jesus do? And I think as as um, John and Brian have brought out, well, he has come, and he is come. Right? He's he's coming right now, and then he will come again. But that this is not um, a prayer that goes. The prayer is immediately answered. We, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come, and he's there. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name in the preaching of the word in the sacraments. Um, and so I think, uh, and, and we just referenced it in the winging it, but Dr. Brown had a, a very good sermon in chapel today of the now and then aspect from Revelation 20. And we sometimes forget that the, the then is still present here now with us. Um, and so I think that that prayer itself hopefully is a helpful reminder to us too um, that it, it really is baptismal, right, this prayer. And, uh, and that it's not, I think we often pray it and then we say, okay, Jesus will answer that prayer on the last day. And we forget it was answered before it's prayed and it's being answered as it's prayed. And then the last day will come when the time is right. And we talked. It's the same Jesus who is right. coming in the sacrament, who is going to come in the end, who came in there. It's the same. There's not three Jesuses. Right. And it, we talked in the, the winging it that we recorded today, to the last one of the church history series. And we, we briefly mentioned, right, in Greek, you have chronos and kairos. You have chronological time, like, okay, another year has passed. He hasn't come. But I think Advent reminds us of that, that kairos distinction, um, right, when the time was fully come, um, like you mentioned in that session, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law. And we're still, God is still in Kairos time, right? The, when the time has fully come, he will come again. Um, but he's He's doing the right things at the right times uh, still now. And, and so I, I find that interesting that Luther brings that out there. And it's not necessarily that Luther's preaching necessarily at the same time that he's dealing with Erasmus. It, it just, I think there is something in that inherently you know, when you call, when you're a child and you call for your parent, there's something in that, right? You're not running to your parent. You're, you're calling to your parents to come to you. Um, there's a recognition of maybe need or fear, whatever it is. There's a dependency in that. I mean, it's not a dependency that's um, afraid of the one to whom it prays. 
it's a dependency that cries out precisely because it is comfortable in the presence of the one it's begging to come. Yeah. He, he, we have to call him to come because we can't go to him, first of all, but then also just the guts that you would call the Almighty God who demanded perfection from us to come. That it, there, there is, there's a relationship there that fully depends on the good favor of the of the father, the adult in this in this context, God. And then the lowliness, I think, is beautiful too, especially in the sacrament. That his lowliness is for us, so that he can be very intimate to us, that he can be very close to us, that he would become, will he become one of us? that he would be a high priest that would sympathize with us, that he would be a king who would know his people's sufferings and would go and would go to the cross for his people, um, that he would be, I mean, how more intimate can you be than dining with him where he is both host and meal? The only other, maybe the only thing that is more intimate that is also a sacramental action where you die and are buried and rise with him in baptism. And even in that meal, though, as you mentioned, Mike, right, as we partake that meal, that is a foretaste of the second coming of the feast. There, of there is nothing more already and not yet than, than the supper. It's all wrapped in one thing. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. No, and, uh, the, and, and it really just comes out in Advent and, uh, and then is um, explained further with the Palm Sunday account, which is... You know, and now I look back and having looked at the three year here, the uh, in my hymnal here, uh, I do distinctly remember when we were doing the three year that I made sure that the Palm Sunday account was in that one Advent service that people did not miss that. So if you're in the three year pastors out there, uh, maybe maybe you make a point that you're going to always have the Palm Sunday um, account read at some point during the midweek services. John or Brian, you guys got any more? I will just, to circle back real quick to John the Baptist, um, I have that for Monday, and I've been really wrestling with what I'm going to preach for for that because I really I, I want to keep it to about a five- or six-minute sermon. I think it's one of those texts that should be really short and sweet because the whole point is it's short and sweet. And, and whenever I that text comes up, I always think of... Uh, my least favorite thing in the parish, and I think I've mentioned it on here before, and it, it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, meetings or um, visits, but it was always communing my wife. That was by far hmm. um, the least favorite thing I did because um, she, right, she would come up knowing all my sins. And if you think about, right, God says beautiful are our feet as preachers, but you know where your feet have gone. And, um, you know, he... he uh, he, he talks about he's opened our lips and, and what a blessing our mouths are that they bring this message. Um, and then to that my hands would then be used to, to give her the sacrament. But the, the wonderful thing about the faith of a pastor's wife, right, is that is that they came up and, and that hand, it wasn't about that hand. Do you think anybody else looked at John the Baptist and went, you think he washed his hands today? <laughs> or, um, oh, his nails look really nice. <clears throat> It was where that hand points you, and right. So that that hand was holding the body and blood of Christ, and so that means something. And I think um, we I got a, on a bully pulpit in the last wing in its session, but just as we wind it down, I think if I can close it out with a reminder um, that the Advent season under the day is about um, dirty hands pointing people to Christ. Right? He rides in on Palm Sunday, and you say, 
hey, look, um, he's in, you know, they the, they show up and, and where's Jesus? Oh, he's there, font, pulpit, goofy looking guy up front in the robe. Um, Is that when you point at your associate? Yeah, I never had one. Um, but the, uh, that we remember all of us um, gather as, as dirty hands, um, being pointed to Christ and then pointing to Christ. And then I think that glory on Christmas becomes all the much better, uh, you know, with the shepherds and the angels. Uh, there he is. But I'll, I'll let any of you close it out. No, I think and then the, the Advent uh, theme, both of Palm Sunday uh, in the background, but also um, Jesus coming and being born in this backwards town, uh, that we who are dirty and in the mud and the blood and the beer, our Savior became intimate with us and got into the mud and the blood and the beer. And he is, he is there. Uh, a high priest who can sympathize with us, who becomes our sin. Um, there, there's not, there is not a, a separation between us and God, and it's because of the incarnation, and that's why I think Advent's just so powerful because it's really an anticipation of the incarnation, and then the result of that in, incarnation, Holy Week, and then His return to bring us uh, uh, to heaven. So, I, I think. A good way to close is to say to all of you out there who are still worried about buying Christmas gifts and uh, uh, the Christmas cards and the busyness of life and putting that fake smile on, that now that you're freed with the gospel of this baby boy who came here to grow up and be the man who died on the cross, you can be free to let the... Let the bird fly. Let the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get in my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. One more round won't get me down.